Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank the Lord. Amen. It's been a while since I've been here in person, but now we are here together in the power of Christ's resurrection life. And before I introduce to you the general subject for this uh, conference and give you a brief opening word so that we all have a clear understanding of what we are considering, I want to just share on behalf of the triune God that right now and right here he wants to bless each one of you with the river of water of life flowing from the throne into you to fill you and then flow out of you and there are two verses spoken by the Lord Jesus himself When he was on the earth, he had been traveling, walking, he was tired, he was thirsty, he stopped by a place and a woman was coming to get some water from the place and he asked for some water and then he spoke about another kind of water. John chapter 4, verses 10 and 14. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is, and who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This is not just a verse. This is a testimony of the present resurrected Christ who's with us. He told us at the end of Matthew 28, I am with you all the days. I say this sincerely, Christ is in this meeting with us. I can say with respect, good afternoon, Lord Jesus. And he is also making his home in our heart. If you believe this, Say amen. Amen. It's really happening. It's not just doctrine. It's experiential. And so he wants us to have living water. You look at Revelation way back at the end, chapter 22. There's a river of water of life flowing from the throne. But then in verse 14, he said this, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall by no means thirst forever. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. This is not merely an interesting verse. This is a description of normal, daily, overcoming Christian life. Whoever drinks of the water, 
when we call on the Lord, when we were singing those hymns, were we not drinking living water? Are you not refreshed? Because this is experientially real. And then the water we drink, that is the life-giving spirit as our water, the water becomes a fountain springing up into eternal life. And so one aspect of what's on the Lord's heart for these two days, for meetings, is that we will all experience the life, the eternal life of the triune God. He wants us all to realize if this is the first time you've been in a meeting like this, where people sing and they make a lot of noise of praising and enjoying, or if you've been around for decades, this is a new day. God said, I make all things new. And he wants us all to realize that if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for our redemption, and God raised him from the dead, and now he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords on the throne, the one who's coming back soon to reign over the earth, and the one who is dwelling in us, he is here to minister himself into us. So the general subject of these outlines is participating in God's divinity. Participating means you're not just learning about something, but you are actually experiencing it. It's part of your being. And referring to John chapter 3, a familiar chapter, it talks about being born again. You need to be born from God again. So when you were born humanly, this is something so obvious, but sometimes obvious things need to be emphasized, you had a human life. When we were born again, we need to realize the source of our birth is God the Father. The Bible calls us children of God. We have been born of God. We have the life of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says that the Spirit testifies that we all are children of God. And so, those of you that are parents, it was so endearing to be in the homes of some saints and see their children. And yesterday we just saw a little one, four months old, but he has the same as life and nature as his parents, and he will grow to maturity. What I believe the Lord is seeking to impress 
all of us to realize you are a child of God. This means in addition to your God-created human life, you have another life. And that is the eternal life of God becoming the life in your inner being. And gradually, this life, this eternal life, is going to permeate and saturate your inner being to the point And older guys like me, in a positive way, are looking forward to this. I want a new body. I know some of you young brothers, you exercise and you lift weights to build up muscles. It's okay, that's normal for you fellows. But I exercise to stay alive until the Lord comes and we're going to have a resurrected life just like his. But between now and then, we need to, here we come to message one, participate in God's life. And to participate means you are experiencing it. You are living it. You are enjoying it. If you would come sometime in the United States, whatever, and you want to go to the USA type of baseball game or what we call football, it means something else here. And of course, what's here is the correct and the original one. But anyway, you're you're not a participant. You're an observer. But if you, when you're on the field, some of you know, when, when you're on the field, it's altogether different from when you're just in the stands watching. And so what the Lord is going to gradually, he's not going to force anybody. So don't, don't be reluctant. The Lord will gently draw. Don't just observe. Participate. And one... Uh, One of the apostles, a very interesting brother, that his ministry began in a way of being manifested was when he was about 90 years old. And so some of us, be encouraged if you're in your 70s. If you're in your 70s, you're just young'uns, okay? But you young'uns, the best is ahead. So here he is in his 90s now he's put on this rocky island because of his testimony of the Lord and his ministry but when he wrote down what the Lord said he said I am partaking of the same thing with you I'm partaking and part of my time with you is The main thing is that the Lord would open the way for you would have direct personal experience and reality of the all-inclusive life-giving spirit, but also as your brother and as a, and I'm glad to say this, as a slave of Christ Jesus, 
I want to share with you, to some extent, my portion to participate. And so the general subject is to participate of God's divinity. So again, I have to look at something so basic that when, you're, when you were born or when your child were born, as they were growing, they are participating in all different aspects of being a human being. And what a development takes place during the teenage years. You know, here's a little boy, 11 and 12, but six or seven or eight years later, his voice is different. I wouldn't say he has a mustache, but he's got some growing stuff here. And his voice has changed and his body is being reformed. This is participation in another aspect of human nature. Well, this is what happens to a child of God. If that child of God, and here I need to be direct, knows the real truth from the word. And here's an example of knowing the real truth. John 14. The Lord said, in my father's house, there are many abodes, many dwelling places. I'm preparing one for you. And the common teaching, which is erroneous, is, oh, the Father's house is heaven. And he was a carpenter, you know. So for 2,000 years, he's a carpenter. He's building all kinds of nice houses for us. And then when you're raptured, you're going to be there. And then some say, but when the Lord comes back, then we're going to come back with him. So what happens to the house there? You leave it. But actually, the Father's house in John 14 is not heaven. It is a genuine local church. And there's a place for you. So I mention this because the experience is based upon truth. The divinely revealed truth in the word. And one aspect of this is that as children of God, we have the life and nature of God developing in us like one of my two sons, I have a daughter and two sons, they're all well into middle age, that one in particular, if he was here, be very similar to his dad. Even some said, you've got the same sense of humor, the two of you. So he has the same life, same nature as dad, but not his, my fatherhood but he has the life and nature of his parents. So we do not have a participation in what we call Godhead, what God is in himself. But we have been born of God to have the life and nature of God, and that gives us the basis to participate, to actually enter into, experience, and enjoy his divinity. And so now we come to consider 
the substance of outline one, participating in God's life. And many of you will notice here that the outline is just about a page and a half. When I write outlines for the, the seven trainings, I just stay within full two pages, kind of packed. But the reason they're shorter is that the way is open for the Lord to speak spontaneously, moment by moment, whatever he wants to say. And the life-giving spirit and the Lord who is known as the shepherd of our soul from 1 Peter 2, he has a loving concern for everyone in this meeting. He died for you. He loves you. He's the shepherd of your soul. He wants to be everything to you. He wants you to grow in life. He wants you to be saved in life. He wants you to reign in life. He wants you to be mature, to be rapture ready as we're approaching the end of this age. And so he is here, not just in us, but he's with us to dispense himself into us that we may have some realization of what it means to have God's life. What is God's life? What's the nature of God's life? So this is, that's the first section under Roman numeral one. This reveals the basic truth from the word of what we mean by God's life, the nature of God's life. And then in sections two and three, I just want to read these points to give you an idea. He wants to actually, us to actually experience this. It has to be real. God wants us to take him as the fountain, the source of our life and being. God wants this. This is not just a theory. God wants you and me to take him as the fountain from the verse that I read. A fountain in you. He wants the fountain in you to spring up and then flow. And when you walk out of this meeting, you'll have the sense, I don't understand that much about what this man has been saying, but there's something delightful taking on in me. That's the river of the water of life flowing in you. And then three, as believers in Christ, we need to drink of the water of life in resurrection. And I assure you, this matter of drinking the water of life is according to the Bible. There are verses that say you need to drink it. Not, not just look at it. I'm, I'm just so glad someone put a glass here. It's probably fresh kind of water. Where'd the water come from? It's, an, it's, it's kind of appealing. At a certain point, I'm going to participate. I don't want to just know about. So now we, we are in the first section about divine life, the life of God. We need to know God. 
not just by, in a doctrinal way, but again, I repeat, you'll hear this numerous times, by our actual experience. We're coming to really know God and may be considered as the first and basic attribute of God. And what we mean by an attribute is a characteristic of God. And I won't get into the background of this. I did a lot of theological exploration about this. What is this professor saying? What is the most important attribute of God? They all miss life. They all miss life because they themselves are not experiencing life. And they're writing books without life flowing. But we want to realize the most important attribute of God is God's life. A says, according to the divine and eternal nature of the life of God, God's life is the unique life. Unique means there's no other life like it. It's unique. Only the life of God can be considered as life. And so where was your life um, 87 years ago? Didn't exist. And if the Lord's coming is delayed for another 87 years, where will your life be? It will be non-existent. Because created life in its nature is temporary. But God's life is eternal. We'll see this. So, to be exact, the only life that's really life is the life of God. B, life is the content of God. When you really contact him in a personal way, in a fellowship way, you realize his whole being is filled with the divine life. When I contact him, no matter what my condition was, but I came through faith in his blood, his redeeming blood was applied to me, I washed my robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb, so now I have the right to the tree of life. I'm referring to Revelation 22:14. And what do we experience? Life. As the content of God. And life is the flowing out of God. And this is what God is doing. We're not just talking about it. I hope that you would be an open vessel and allow the flowing God to flow into you. And you'll experience something quite delightful. So flowing out of God, God's content is God's being. And God's flowing out is the impartation of himself as life to us. Impartation. In other words, he's giving it to you. He's dispensing into you. Okay, again and again. Okay, I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to let you go. 
I'm going to bring this to you again and again. Because when I realized a year ago, when I was in the early stage of recovering from that quadruple open-heart surgery, that the Lord wanted me alive. Why, I don't know. I was already in my 80s. Why did he want me to be here? For how long, only he knows. But he made it very clear to me for two things, Ron. One is love for all the saints, for every believer, without any partiality, without any preference, without considering any nation, any culture, any race, any characteristic. We've been hearing for decades the high peak, God became man, to make man God in life and nature. Well, God is love. Have you ever had the thought that God wants to make you love? He wants to constitute you with himself as love. And you just love all the brothers and sisters. You love all human beings. You you see people. There I was. I had to go shopping because the airline didn't put my suitcase on the plane. So I didn't have a seat, a suit. I didn't have a white shirt. But I was with the dear saints to get to take care of this. And I just saw so many human beings with all kinds of tattoos, tattoos. These dear people. Lord, save them. Save them. And so, the Lord wants to flow in us and to impart this into us and as much as possible to make us the same as he is in life and nature, not in the Godhead. And so, in addition to that one word, love, the Lord made it very clear, Ron, in your portion of the ministry, Yes, you must base everything on the revealed truth in the word. But what I require of you positively is experience. The things we've been hearing, brothers and sisters, for decades. And now my heart is just crying out in loving concern that what we've heard will become real to us. It's real. It's not a doctrine only anymore. It's not theory anymore. It's real. And then the next step, it's experiential. It's really happening. Then this is the basis for our growing in life to maturity. But thousands, even millions of Christians all over the earth no matter what they've been taught inaccurately about the rapture, they're far from being ready. Because when the first stage comes and the Lord comes for his bride secretly, millions and millions will be left behind. Why? Because you're still infants. You haven't grown. You haven't matured. You haven't been saved in life. 
You don't know what it is to reign in life. You're not part of the bride who has made herself ready. I'll come back at the end of the Great Tribulation. Maybe you'll be in a different stage since then. So that's what's in my heart day and night. The Lord is coming. And before he comes in a visible way, as revealed in Revelation chapter 1, everyone will see him. He will come secretly for the living overcomers who will be his bride. And we don't know when, we don't know how, but surely, deeper than you, don't you want to be part of the bride who has made herself ready? And the Lord is giving us all an open door and the opportunity to become this. Because based on the truth, all these matters we've been learning are real. And what is real is experiential, little by little. And then experiential really transforms your being. So we continue. See, the life of God is divine, having the nature of God, and is eternal, being uncreated, without beginning and ending, self-existing, ever-existing, and never-changing. What words? Eternal, uncreated. without a beginning, without ending, self-existing, ever-existing, never-changing. I'll quickly tell you something I tried. I kind of laugh at myself now. In the winter of 1971, this one Saturday afternoon, I thought, I'm going to do a kind of a mental expedition Everything must have a beginning. Everything must have a source. So I'm kind of just inwardly laughing at myself. I said, okay, just in my mind, I'm going to go back. And and so I'm the son of this, but my parents were from that. And all the way back, everything has a beginning. The universe had to have a beginning. And God must have a beginning Every being must have a beginning. And then at a certain point, I was like, in my mind, driving my car at high speed. And then I crashed into a mountain because the Lord responded this way, I am. I am. In the the Gospel of John, this is emphasized. The Lord said, you must believe that I am. Do you remember when he was arrested according to what's recorded in John? And he asked the people, who are you looking for? He said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am. And they all fell backward and fell on the ground. He said, I am. And there will be a time, a wonderful time, when the Lord will speak to you so you know him I am 
I have no beginning. I'm uncreated. I'm eternal. I'm unchanging. And the life that I have and the life that is in me, I am dispensing this life in you. And you will live eternally in this life, depending on this life. So the subpoints under C may help us. One, two, three, four. The word divine means being of God, having the nature of God. Two, the word eternal means being uncreated, without beginning or ending, existing by itself, and ever unchangeably existing. This is God being eternal. The human mind cannot grasp this. The mind is bound by space and time. But in our spirit, we can touch the eternal life of God, and our God will become real and experiential. I am. I am eternal life itself. Three, the life of God is uncreated without beginning or ending, self-existing, ever-existing, never-changing. The life of God is immortal and unchangeable. It remains the same and continues living even after passing through any kind of blow or destruction. Just a comment here. This is going to become very, very real in the journey of your human life. And many of us in this room have already experienced this a number of times. And that is you're going through something in your environment that is, it's unbearable, humanly speaking. It's unbearable. And one thing after another. And uh, you can't go forward, you can't go backward, you can't go up, you can't go down, and you can't bear where you are. But here you are. This is Romans 8.28. All things, all things, including heartbreaking things, all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, and deep within you'll realize, I don't understand why this is happening. I can't bear it another day. I don't know when this will end. But deep within, you can still say, I love God. I love God. In the midst of this, I love God. And so we are passing through any kind of blow or destruction. Don't you love that line of a chorus in the hymn, Death Cannot Hold, the Resurrection Life. I believe a number of us can testify. This is not theory, isn't it, dear saints? It's not merely doctrine, is it? 
Isn't it real? Isn't it more real than the last time I was here with you? Isn't it experiential? Haven't you passed through many things in the last four years? Personally and corporately? But when I see people I haven't seen for a while, I'm not a politician, I'm not a diplomat, I don't say nice things to pretend. I can honestly say, I haven't seen you for four years. It's good to see you, but when I see you, I see more Christ. More eternal life in you. I mean it. I think it's both ways, right? Yeah. And so, God is revealing this to make it real to us and experiential. Now we go on to some points leading to the experiential side. And I'm, I'm watching the time here because I'm only giving a major part of the message. The rest of the message will be finished by you. I mean it. When you come to the microphone and speak maybe for 60 seconds, I encourage you because every one of you, all of us, you have a portion of Christ that no one else has on the whole earth. And may the Lord just lead you to come and speak for a minute and let the river of water of life flow and maybe the Lord will flow from me. Maybe he's flowing. You can drink the river water of life. And I'm looking forward to drinking from the water of life from you, dear sister, and from you, dear brother. Maybe you're 15 years old. You're my brother or my sister. You may be older than I am. It's not too soon. It's not too late. I hope this is really going to be touching. This is a corporate matter. This is a body matter. D, the eternal life of God is indestructible. Indissoluble. And incorruptible. And it is resurrection life that passed through the test of death in Hades, conquered death, and will swallow up death. Some are passing through the valley of the shadow of death right now. Just a few weeks ago, a dear brother, I knew this was coming. He had shared with me how critically ill his wife was. And it was so clear she was coming to the, the end. She finished her course. And now I know what it's like. I said, but you're, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but not alone. You're walking through. You can't sprint. You can't run. You walk through. But you're not alone. And then when you come forth, you realize, wow, Philippians 3.10 is becoming real to me that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And I believe there's someone who could come and give a, a one-minute testimony. 
I, I say amen to what Brother Ron was emphasizing. The power of resurrection is not doctrine. It's real. Death cannot hold it. We have eternal life in us. Then F, life is the Holy Spirit. G, life is the process and consummated triune God dispensed into us and living in us. Just briefly, for some that are hearing this for the first time, these words processed and consummated triune God. Well, God in the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they're unchangeable. But in what we call God's economy, God's arrangement to fulfill his purpose, God became a human being. Isn't that something experiential? He became a God-man on the earth. In a large family, several brothers, some sisters, he was a carpenter. His ministry was three and a half years. He died at the age of 33 and a half. But then he was resurrected. And he had a resurrected body. But also, we're told from the Bible, Christ is in you. Can you honestly say, yes, you can. Christ is in me. So let me ask you, those of you that sincerely believe that Christ is in you, because that's what the Bible says in several verses, Christ is in you. And I've asked the trainees in the full-time training just recently, do you believe, do you know that Christ is in you? And they could smile and say yes. Then I asked them, do you have the sense of a person with flesh and bones is in you? No. Then how can Christ be in you? Because there's something called the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Christ is the life-giving Spirit. So Christ is on the throne and Christ is in us. Praise the Lord. What a wonderful person he is. And so he went through this process of incarnation, human living, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension so that he can enter into us and be our life and our life supply and everything. Okay, now we turn directly to the experiential side. God wants us to take him as the fountain, the source of our life and being. It doesn't say God demands us. God wants I'd like to change the us to you, singular and plural. God wants you to take him as the fountain. So I'm going to pause. This is not a training. I know it's not a training. So I know the limitation. Okay, God wants you right here and right now to take him as the fountain the source of your life. Are you willing for that to happen, experiential, to you? If you're, if you're not, 
it's okay. Just be honest with him. Just say, this is something new. I don't understand what's going on. And then when you're alone with the Lord, you just say, Lord, what, what is this man talking about? Well, read that verse. I want you to drink the water of life. Then I drink this kind of water. Lord, I'd like to know what it is to drink the water of life. Then you have a taste. And then the water of life, what? It becomes a fountain in me. And it's springing up. And it's flowing in me. Because God, the Father, is the source of our life and our being. The reason I'm still here, standing, and as I often say, standing with energy on my two flat feet, but they do their job. And my testimony is God is the source of my life. I honor my parents. They're in paradise. They were not in the recovery, but they were saved. I'll see them again in the new heaven and the new earth. And they would also realize, Ron, yes, we were your human parents, but the source is God. And he's the source of my being. This is a being permeated by God as eternal life. A God's intention and his economy is to be the fountain, the source of living waters to his chosen people for their enjoyment. Enjoyment. So, in a tender way, again, I'm checking myself so I don't overstep and make this a little mini training. What's the difference between experience and enjoyment? And what's the different aspect of these in your being? Experience is spiritual. We experience God from our regenerated spirit. That's why I was so glad when the brothers opened up the singing, let's exercise our spirit. Let's stand up and call three times, oh Lord Jesus. This is exercising our spirit to contact the life-giving spirit. But enjoyment mainly involves your soul. Mind, emotion, and will. And the enemy often makes our soul a target. Whether it's injecting thoughts disguised as our own, or touching our feeling, or our will. And so that if we're really honest, we could say, 
I have to say, I, I did experience something early this morning in the Holy Word. But it hasn't been a happy day. And I've wondered, here it comes again, saints that have heard this before a few dozen times. I don't know of any brother in the last century who suffered more on behalf of the Lord than our dear brother Watchman Nee. Almost shortly after he was saved, just one degree after another. Then for 20 years in that kind of confinement. And the suffering beyond description. So weak he couldn't walk to the cafeteria for his food. And his roommate asked, could I bring his portion of food? They said, no, he can come and get it himself. So he only ate part of his own food and brought the rest. But the last thing Brother Nee said in writing indirectly was, I have kept, I've maintained my joy. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you tenderly, but not for you to to answer, but for you to consider. This year, how much daily enjoyment of Christ have you had? Just simultaneously, as you're living a normal human life and all the things you have to do, and Some decades ago, someone really helped me by a very direct person-to-person word. I mean, very direct. And this faithful one said, Ron, you are robbing yourself of so much enjoyment of Christ. And I realized I was denying it. I was allowing my soul to be myself and the enemy to rob the enjoyment And now, let's smash him down. You are the one who's headed for the place of torment forever, the lake of fire. We're here to experience and enjoy Christ. This becomes our enjoyment. We need to drink of God as the fountain of living Waters, so that he may increase for the fulfillment of his economy to have his expression through his counterpart. So we need to drink of God as the fountain of living waters. How do we do that? There's two aspects at least. One is we realize that the triune God in Christ indwelling me is the fountain of living waters. And when a new day starts, I don't know how your new day, your new day starts. You wake up, you're in the bed. Are you leaping and skipping, full of joy, of energy? I've got the power of resurrection. I'm full of joy. No, I am 58% awake, 42% not quite awake. But I've been learning and relearning. The first thing I need to do 
is to turn my heart to the Lord and inwardly exercise my spirit. And so because my body doesn't know what time zone it is, and so I was awake very early. I didn't want to disturb my wife, who has been caring for me so much at price of cost, and I just wanted her to rest more. So I just carefully got out of bed, didn't turn the lights on, just had a little little tiny flashlight that was given so I can find my way. What old guys do in the night, you know, you've got to make a little walk, right? The time will come when you know what this is like. <laughs> and then just to sit on the couch and then open up the word and put the flashlight on and just start a new day. No matter how I feel physically or how I feel psychologically, I don't want this day to be a wasted day. But a day of grace, a day of life, a day of joy, a day of love, a day with you. And so, point two, the more we drink of God, the more he is one with us. Okay, drinking God. Just consider this. This is actually happening. God is the living water of life. The more we drink of God, the more he is one with us. And the more we are one with him and constituted with him in his life and nature. And there are many things out of loving concern we can do for one another, we can help one another. But I, I can't breathe for you. You can't drink water for me. This is something personal. And I can't go on to this. There could be conference after conference of this. Again, just in a positive way, an aching heart that all the saints need to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Not just partaking of what the church is doing. That's part of our church life. But where you are personally needs something else, something aspect of that. Just realizing this has changed my life over many decades. I'm one with the church. But I need to come to the Lord to say, Lord, you know where I am. What portion of the word do I need to be in? Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to gain in me, this is the personal side, not individualistic, but personal. And so, no one can drink of God in your place. So if, if you never had this experience, then just try it out. If there's a companion here, a friend, you can say, would you help me? then let's just drink together. And you just call on the Lord together and the river flows. You say, this is real. Or it'll be experiential in a personal way. Now the third section. Oh, there'll be plenty of time for you. As believers in Christ, we need to drink of the water of life in 
resurrection. And dear saints, this is of utmost importance. Because one of the characteristics of the bride who has made herself ready is that she has been trained to live in the power of Christ's resurrection. Don't you love those verses in Revelation 19? Let us rejoice and exalt. The marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Well, what are some of the signs of readiness? One is maturity in life. Another is to be built up organically with other members of the body. Another characteristic is that she's beautiful. According to Song of Songs, the beauty of Christ is wrought into her and expressed through her. And she has a wedding dress called righteousnesses. That means she not only has Christ objectively as righteousness, but Christ as subjectively as righteousness, so that she's one with Christ who's dwelling in us. And the more my speaking and my doing and my working and my giving are in the Spirit, that is an act of righteousness. And this is how we are making our portion of the wedding dress. You read Matthew 20 about a parable of this. Someone came into the, the wedding feast. Someone said, how did you get in here? You don't have a wedding garment. And there are millions and millions of saints. They have the kind of garment mentioned in Luke 15. When the sinful son came back, you know, repenting and was saved. And a robe was put on him. That, that's objective righteousness. But there's another robe, the wedding dress, the wedding gown, that is produced as our righteousnesses, our living out the indwelling Christ in all that we say and do. Toward the end of Matthew 12, there's some striking verses. I'd emphasize this more with co-workers and leading brothers because of their responsibilities. That be careful. Every word you're speaking is recorded. Every idle word. And it will, it will be replayed for you when you stand before the Son of God if you don't clear it up. This is one characteristic of serving with Brother Lee in the way that I did spending more than a thousand hours with him, person to person, being with him every Thursday morning from 8.30 to 12 or 12.30, working on the life studies, doing that for 11 years. And one characteristic was he never wasted a word. Everything he said, humanly and spiritually, was genuine. What a pattern is this? And only the Lord knows how much I had to repent of what I said, what I expressed, the way I said it. And I thank the Lord for this. 
that this can be cleared up now, not during the thousand years. And then also, one aspect of his wife is, you're an experienced warrior because we're going to go for a battle. So she'll have her wedding guest, her wedding dress on. They're in the wedding feast. Then he says, dear, we're going to travel now. Well, well where, are we, where are we going? We're going to the earth. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to a place called Armageddon and we're going to engage in a, a, a battle against Satan and his army. And she may say, well, what should I wear when I go? And I would say, dear, one reason I married you is that you're an experienced warrior. Your wedding dress is your uniform. And don't you want to be with him when the great tribulation is taking place on the earth and we are with him hidden in the cloud, descending, and then eventually, boom, at Armageddon. And the enemy is dealt with Human government is eliminated. There's no more money. You can leave your American Express card at home. It's not functioning anymore. And now the Lord is reigning all over the earth. And you as an overcomer will be reigning. Who knows who's going to get Scotland? Who's who's going to get Wales? Only the Lord knows. And so all this is related to the water of life in resurrection. We just read these remaining points and uh, in about seven or eight minutes, there'll be a good 30 minutes for you to respond to the leading of the Spirit. The spiritual drink in 1 Corinthians 10.4 refers to the living water that flowed out of the cleft rock This water typifies the spirit as our all-inclusive drink. Some may not be familiar with Exodus 17.6. You know, the people of Israel were led out of Egypt, and now they were in the wilderness, and they were thirsty. And so Moses was the one taking the lead according to God's governmental direction. And the Lord said, bring them to this rock. The rock typifies the incarnated Christ. And strike it one time. That signifies Christ being put to death on the cross. And then water flowed out of the rock. So this typifies, this is a symbol of the incarnated Christ. When he died on our behalf, What came out of his side was not only blood, but blood and water. And so he's the reality of this rock. And the water that flowed out is the resurrection life. And so we go on. I I want to uh, emphasize this last part. This water typifies the spirit as our all-inclusive drink. All-inclusive means everything you need, even if you don't know what your need is. The grace is there. The faith is there. The energy is there. The humility is there. The sincerity is there. The reality is there. The love is there. The strength is there. The power is there. 
It's all there. The Lord knows exactly what you need, and that part is flowing on your part, your just So simple. Lord Jesus, I love you. Lord, I turn my heart to you. I want to be an open vessel to you. Lord, please dispense yourself into me all day long. Okay. Then point one. Through incarnation, Christ came to be to the earth as the rock. He came to die for us at 33 and a half. And he knew exactly when. It was time to go to Jerusalem. What would take place before he was crucified? And what will be the issue of his crucifixion? crucifixion? He knew. And I'm very touched with a verse in Hebrews 12. When the Lord is on the cross, he was just suffering there. But I love these words, the joy set before him. I've wondered this for years, brothers and sisters. What was the joy set before him? I can't prove this organically, uh, uh, you could say theologically, but I believe this is, this is accurate. And I learned out this is the feeling of Brother Nee and Brother Lee. The joy set before him was his bride. From Ephesians 5, he's saying, you're all sinners. None of you believe now. But I love you. I'm dying on your behalf. And when I'm resurrected, I'll dispense my, the power of my resurrection life into you. You're the joy set before me. And I find this deeply comforting. Simultaneously, what you're going through, we, we can't deny it. We have feelings. We're human beings. How can we never weep? How can we never sense the pain? It's indescribable. What is going on? But then to realize there's something else. I want to turn my eyes away from my condition. I want to turn the eyes away from my situation. I want to look ahead and realize there's joy set before me. The joy is in this line of a hymn. Oh, what an hour sweet when bride and bridegroom meet and love surpassing comprehend. The joy set before me, Lord, is your wedding, your coming. And this perception of joy that enables you, and I know what I'm talking about, to pass through anything and everything. Because now, the river of water of life is the life of resurrection life in you. And you know the resurrection life conquers death. Two, at Calvary, he was crucified, smitten by God's law with its power and authority. His side was cleft 
and living water flowed out for us to drink. So the one there, the centurion was there, could see this. Blood flowed out for our redemption, but the water, the divine life was released. That is why in 1 Peter 1.20, we're told when he was resurrected, we were all regenerated at the same time. We had the same spiritual birthday, all of us. Because the resurrection life. A and B, this living water is the spirit, the ultimate issue of the processed and consummated triune God. The living water is the spirit. The more we really are one with the spirit, the more experience we will have. This spiritual drink quenches our thirst and fully satisfies our being. Our thirst. Decades ago, I read about some writing about this brother who went to China, who suffered so much, his wife died there, so many other things. Then he could testify, he explained to us what thirst is. It's an unfulfilled desire, a longing. And many of us, for various things, maybe not married or being a widower or being a widower or not having children or suffering what, what your young adult children are doing and what they are right now and where they are right now. So many of these things within. But there's something deep in your being that satisfies the yearning, the longing in you. That is the process and consummated God as the life-giving spirit flowing in you. And you are, on your part, drinking the water of life, the water of resurrection. Now, the last point emphasizes resurrection. The spiritual drink, the living water, is the water of life in resurrection. Before this whole COVID thing took place and my need for heart surgery, then afterward to reconsider, and I'm older, for about 25 years, right? every year was 10 international flights to different parts of the world, a lot of flights into Asia. But now the Lord is limiting that, and the Lord allows me to say this for the rest of my days, the burden growing in my heart is Europe and UK. Because the final move of the Lord on the earth is in this part of the earth. And you're in a situation that very few saints in other parts of the earth have fully understand. But this is a body matter. So maybe I'll just travel four times a year. The Lord knows what the future beholds. But as of now, two of the four will be this part of the earth. So I hope to see you again in Barlow. Okay?
It's all in the Lord's hands. And that there will be more and more water of life in resurrection in all the churches, in all the saints. Resurrection denotes something that has been put to death and is alive again. Resurrection also denotes life that springs forth from something that has passed through death. And now this is real to you. It's experiential to you. You have passed through this. You know that death cannot hold this resurrection life. Because the water of life is in resurrection, it is victorious and transcends every negative thing. What a statement this is. It's the water of life in resurrection. It's victorious. We can never be victorious ourselves. We all know this. But it's Christ's victory applied to us, the victorious and the transcendent. It defeats every negative thing in our being and in the environment around us. Then the last point, when we drink of the water of life in resurrection, we become persons in resurrection and of resurrection. Whether it's a little hard for you to believe this personally, but I can honestly end this message by saying, I believe this personally and I believe for all of you. I'm going to read this point again and then we maybe pray for about 30 or 40 seconds with someone nearby and the brothers will direct on who's going to give, how, how there'll be the testifying time. When you drink of the water of life in resurrection, you become a person in resurrection and of resurrection. You're on your way to become a person of resurrection for the building up of the body of Christ. This is part participating in God's divine life. Please pray a little bit if you have the feeling, and then we'll finish the message through your sharing. Thank the Lord.